northeastern Ukraine, one of the most vulnerable Ukrainian regions, very close to the border with Russia. How did this region live through Russian invasion one year ago? And how is it living now? We went to Sumshina in the northeastern Ukraine, dozens of kilometers from the Russian border, to learn more. You're listening to the podcast Explaining Ukraine. Explaining Ukraine is a podcast by Ukraine World, a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm a Ukrainian philosopher and journalist, chief editor of Ukraine World. My co-host is Tityana Harkova, Ukrainian scholar and journalist who is heading international department at Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. Before we start, let me remind you that you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash ukraineworld. We devote majority of your donations to help Ukrainian defenders and people affected by this war. You can also support our volunteer and humanitarian trips to the front line at paypal, ukraine.resisting.gmail.com. So let's talk about our trip. We went to Sumshchina, uh, Sumska Oblast, around a, a town, a city, Sumy, and we visited several towns in this region. One of them, like Hluchiv, is 10 kilometers from the Russian border. And let's explain to our listeners what what uh, what was happening one year ago on the 24th of February, how it is all developed and how Russian troops entered the region very close and 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 how people reacted to that. Well, indeed, it was an extremely interesting trip. Uh, one year ago, we were mentioning Kiev region and uh, um, Chernyiv region and Sumer region as uh, regions uh, which were living the same destiny. It was the destiny of the aggression from the north, uh, and uh, these Russian troops were trying to get uh, to Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. So these three regions were mentioned like uh, like similar. But what we discovered during our trip, that the situation in Sumshina was uh, in a way different from what we observed in Kiev and Chernigiv. Let's explain to our listeners that Sumshina as a region, it's a kind of um, artificial unity. Uh, I mean, the oblast, official oblast, Sumska oblast, was created by Stalin back in uh, 1939, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And in fact, it is a, uh, it is a mixture of... Of two regions. Uh, on the north, in the, in the north, you have Chernigivska, Chernigivska region, Chernigivska land, and uh, more to the south, you have uh, Kharkivska, Kharkivska oblast. So this is an artificial uh, oblast, and the center, Sumshina, uh, uh, belongs to Kharkivska region. So it's a kind of artificial thing, and um, in a way, the identities we've met uh, in this region, inside this oblast, they are quite different. So from Chernigiv in the north, and Kharkiv mostly in the east. Um, uh, what we observed one year ago. One year ago, Russian troops, they uh, they were inside the region in a, in a couple of hours. Uh, people were telling us that, for example, in uh, cities like Trostanets, um, when aggression started in the morning of 24th of February, they were inside the city, on the central, central square, just at noon. So so it was very quick. Uh, in Gluchiv, Gluchiv, it's a city fortress, 
of the ancient times, uh, ancient uh, Cossack capital, they were there during the first hours of the invasion. But they were taking the road coming from Luhiv to Kiev. And uh, what we, what what the major, what the fundamental difference from what we observed in Kiev, for example, and Chernigiv and Sumy, the aim of true Russian troops entering Sumy, Sumy region, was not to capture. Uh, towns, villages, uh, any kind of localities inside the city. But they considered this region to be a transition to the center of Ukraine, uh, specifically to Kiev. So troops which we were able to see uh, to see here in Brovary, in the place we live, close to Kiev, there were troops who went here from Suma region. Suma region. So there were transition transition uh, troops. So in a way, what they were doing in in Suma region, they were even not occupying the region, as they do, for example, now in Donetsk, in Donetsk Oblast, they were blocking the whole region in order to get closer to the capital. For example, the uh, the capital of the region, uh, Sumy, it was not occupied, literally, because there were no Russian troops present inside the city. But they were blocking the city from the block posts on many sides of the city, maybe on three sides, and uh, without any military Russian presence, and they were continuing their way uh, uh, to to Kiev. What you've seen in Trostanets, Trostanets, by the way, this is the only uh, town in the Sumer region which was occupied. And why Trostanets? Because Trostanets they used as a as a transport hub to advance further to the west uh, to Kiev, and they were trying to progress further to the south to Poltava, and they were occupying for a couple of weeks for for a whole month uh, uh, this uh, city but this town small town but this was the only town they were really occupying i mean in in terms that uh, russian tanks were present inside the city there were uh, soldiers officers inside the town and um the consequence of that is that um gluhiv for example gluhiv they took the road uh, which bypasses Gluhiv in the direction of Kiev, and they never enter the city. So they never enter the city itself, the town itself, but they were continuing their movement to capital. The direct consequence of that is that there were no real occupation, and there were, in a way, less atrocities against civilians. If we compare what, with what was happening in Kiev region, in Bucha, Irpin, Borodyanka, we were... Uh, unfortunately able to testimony what was happening here. So Sumer region was a transition. transition. So uh, they, they have less destruction in comparison and they have um, less, uh, less atrocities among civilians. But at the same time, uh, Russian war crimes were also there. So the pattern of shooting, shelling the civilian columns of people who try to evacuate, who try to escape is also present in, in these regions. Uh, it's also present around Trostyanets, was also present uh, around Ohtyrka. So uh, there are testimonies of this. And uh, one of other big war crimes by the Russians is the bombs, the aviation bombs they sent. Those notorious 500-kilogram uh, bombs that we have seen elsewhere in Ukraine, we have seen them in Borodyanka, we have seen them in Izum, and uh, when you look right now at it, still, 
uh, it's just horrible because if you have a multi-story residential building in Borodyanka and Izum, we have seen these buildings. If a bomb fa- uh, falls on this building, half of the building is, is just not there. It collapses and there is very little chance or no chance at all for people to survive. So we ha- we have seen such bombs in two places, in, in Sumshina. One place is a... Um, the so-called private sector, what we call in Ukraine private sector, is those little houses which were owned by the people, not multi-story residential buildings with apartments, but little one-story, two-story, two-floor buildings in which one family lives, for example. And um, in Sumy, there are several districts like that, so which are more uh, similar to villages than to, to cities, on the road which leads to Romney, uh, another town in the region. And there was a huge 5-kilogram bomb uh, which which fell um, just in this private sector. So it's surrounded by the, the by these little private homes and uh, it killed a, a big number of people, I think several dozens. Uh, when you come there, you, you don't really see already the consequences. It's It's already been rebuilt. But people are telling the story, of course, and uh, that's that's if if a bomb falls on this place, it destroys dozens of houses at the same time. Yeah, another uh, specific moment about about Sume and but let let me finish with these bombs. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because it's it's one one of the places that we have seen. Another place that we have seen with these five kilogram uh, bombs. kilograms. 500 kilogram bombs is um, is Ohtirka. And in Ohtirka you can still see the consequences. Unfortunately, on the 26th of February, there was a huge strike on Ohtirka military unit. And unfortunately, there, there are many people, Ukrainian soldiers, Ukrainian servicemen, who were killed uh, uh, during this many, we mean several dozens. And uh, Again, we have seen this place. So the bomb didn't fall on this military unit itself. It fell nearby, but the uh, but the the this wave, the explosion wave was so big that it it, it destroyed uh, it destroyed the houses around and this military unit. So these are these are the ways how the Russians waged this war. Uh, you can say that at one moment, at the beginning of the war, it was really targeting mostly military objects. No, uh, now they're not targeting military objects anymore. They're targeting civilian objects, civilian houses, hospitals, uh, etc. But we have seen in Sumy as well how they targeted really the uh, a place which had nothing to do with military uh, infrastructure. Yes, indeed. Another very important moment and the specificity of the region is Ukrainian tactics of defending it. Contrary to what was happening uh, in Kiev and Chernigiv, uh, there was likely a decision of Ukrainian military not to defend, uh, not to defend every tiny village uh, or town on the on the border but to retreat and to let Russians in in order to 
to give the first fight somewhere closer to Romney, for example. At least we were told about that. So uh, when the war started, Ukrainian army, there were no real troops present in the region, uh, except for Okhtyrka, where military... Well, the, the troops were initially present, mm-hmm. but they retreated. The, 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 the small, right? they, they retreated. It was a t- this strategy, t- Ukrainian tactics. By the way, we were told by a local, uh, local journalist um, in Sumy, she told us, that the same tactics was used by Ukrainian Cossacks many centuries ago. So this is quite a classical thing in Sumy, just to retreat, to fight better and later. And it means, what does it mean for a village or a town like Sumy, big town like Sumy? So military are out, so they just leave the town and they prepare for a real fight somewhere deeper in, inside the country. It means that they let Russians in and it means for civilians that it's quite easy for, 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 for Russian troops to, to occupy, to block cities and to continue. But they invited, but because they see no resistance, they advance. Because uh, Ukrainians, they do know that Russians' goal is to, to achieve Kiev as soon as possible. And they, in, they, it looks like they invite Russians to advance and then they fight them somewhere, somewhere, uh, somewhere deeper in the country. What happened indeed? So that's the reason why they left. But for civilians living inside these regions, I mean, in all these villages and towns in Sumska region, it means that they are left behind the front line, and and then uh, many things could happen: occupation or, or blocking cities or whatever. And uh, at that very moment, Sumer region was lucky enough that uh, lucky, I, I just everything is uh, lucky in a way that uh, there were no severe fights. Russians were not afraid of Ukrainians, and that's why they bypassed a couple of towns without killing civilians, like they did in Bucha, for example. So there were no deliberate killing of of civilians, at least in the first days. We're not. We're talking about these first weeks, days, and weeks of invasion. But imagine you are in your city. Uh, in, or in your town, in your village, and you see uh, hundreds of Russian tanks which bypass you, and you understand that then you are just behind, uh, behind, and you are uh, just you don't understand the status. What what what's ex- exactly happening? Yeah, for the locals, it's a very difficult experience because we see lots of reproaches to the local authorities that the mayor of Sumy have left the city, that the police have left the city, that law enforcement services left the city, that militaries left the city. The same story we see in, in Trostyanets, for example, uh, another very interesting and dynamic town of, of, of the region. And, and basically, <clears throat> it seems that they're reproaching the authorities. And by the way, there are different patterns, because in Okhtyrka, the mayor didn't leave the city, uh, he stayed in the city, and uh, he's now kind of uh, very proud of it. And uh, we talked to the mayor of, of Okhtyrka, and uh, he was telling us how he was helping the army and organize the, 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 the defense. At the same time, there is a certain, I would say, jealousy with regard to the military. Uh, what we understood from what he is saying is that there is sometimes too much credit to the military and too less credit to the civilians who organized, including the, 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 the city authorities who also organized the territorial defense and did, a, did an incredible job. So uh, from the point of 
military tactics. We can say that Ukrainian military tactics succeeded. It was a success. Why? Because the aim was to invite Russians as deep into the Ukrainian territory as possible, uh, use some cities as fortresses like Chernihiv or like uh, Okhtyrka or, or like some others. Kiev. Uh, of course, Kiev, but I mean, on, on the way to Kiev, use some of the cities to 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 keep uh, them, but 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 not to construct a big line of defense, because we can imagine that if a line of defense was constructed in Sumy and it was broken, imagine that, and then Russians break this line of defense with their huge columns, and then they surround Ukrainian troops. The way to Kyiv is open. So the idea was to bring Russian troops as closer to Kyiv and make a big fight around Kyiv and then to make these columns of Russian tanks as long as possible in order to interrupt the logistics, to destroy the the, 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 the command units, to destroy the the fuel uh, fuel trucks, etc. And this succeeded, actually. Yeah. But for the locals, of course, it seems like a big treachery. It seems like a big betrayal. And I think, and uh, I think nobody will, I mean, psychologically, it's very difficult to accept that, look, yeah, we were sacrificed for the sake of defense of Kiev. Yes, exactly. And let's be precise. In this uh, pretty, um, I would say, relatively small region, Sumer region, you have three different situations for different towns. Sumer was uh, bypassed by Russian troops. It was blocked. There were kind of pre- military presence on the checkpoints around the city. So this is one situation. So civilians were inside. There were some kind of local life, uh, I don't know, shops and authorities, so some kind of uh, life there. Trostyanets, uh, one hour driving from Sumy, was occupied. So it was a Russian presence inside, so people present inside, uh, locals being obliged to live close to Russian occupiers because they had literally no time to escape. Because, as we said before, Russian troops were inside the city just in a couple of hours after the invasion started. And look at the Khtyrka. Akhtirka, where there were Ukrainian military at the very moment of invasion, this was a... Uh, City town fortress. They were defending themselves. That's why Akhtirka was shelled much more, much more than Sumy, and even Trostyanets. It was shelled all the time because Russians were trying to to take the city and to advance further to the no to the uh, to the west to go to Kiev and to Poltava to the south. So they were attacking Akhtirka all the time during weeks, and that's why in Akhtirka. This heroic city where mayor stayed, mayor uh, stayed all the time. They uh, there much more destruction than in any other place in Sumy. And for example, the last case of Gluchiv. Gluchiv is even more interesting because the Russians they even never entered the city. Gluchiv ten kilometers from the border, but the road bypasses the city like the, this town at two or three kilometers. So Russians were continuing their way. They never entered. They even were not blocking literally the city. So it's a kind of different experience. And you, you drive, I don't know, 30 minutes from one place to another and you meet different experience experiences of civilians and people talk differently. But I would like to highlight one thing, that people who were living in Akhtirka and who were, who were living under intense shelling and bombing coming from Russian troops in March, 
they say it was much easier experience than the experience of people living in Tostanets, which was occupied and which was not bombed and shelled all the time. So people, as everywhere, is in, in Kherson, we've been to Kherson. So they this, when they describe occupation, they describe it as a most difficult experience one can, can have during the war. Indeed, indeed, and and the paradox of this war is that you can really say you can really be ten kilometers from the Russian border, and uh, well, the war would bypass you. Um, of course, it, it, we cannot say that the war can bypass anybody in Ukraine because these people in Hluhiv, for example, they the, the the members of the families are most probably on the front line. Their men are most probably on the front line. By the way, we talked primarily to women or to older men. And there is not so many young people, not so many kids. There are kids, but not so many, and not so many men, because we can assume that most of them are in the military service or around military service. And, um, yeah, but you can be in 10 kilometers from the Russian border and um, do not have many ma- many things big atrocities and at the same time you can be in in Vinnytsia and suffer from a missile attack or you can be in in Bucha and suffer from genocide or you can be in um where in um in Dnipro uh, in in that multi-story building and suffer from a, a huge missile strike so it's it's really uneven this war we don't know where where the danger will come from And this is a strange thing. Now what we see is that Russians are doing their best to capture Bakhmut for many months already. They were so proud of capturing Solidar. Uh, they paid a quite expensive price in terms of their soldiers' lives to get Solidar. But uh, So they are conquering territory. But at the same time, they are doing nothing about, about this Sumy region. So they were not trying to create... I don't know, Sumy People's Republic like in Donetsk and Lugansk. They were not trying and maybe it would be an easier task for them. because they're. But uh, at the same time, being a civilian, living a normal life, trying to live a normal life in Sumy region means that you are always thinking about the, the speed with, in, with which Russian troops arrive into your city. So people do remember, on the 24th of February 2022, it took hours for Russians to, to get inside. So they, you cannot... Keep, feel comfortable in such a, such a situation because you know that Russians are close. At the same time, we met military, some military in Sumy. And let's also add this important detail that when Ukrainian army retreated from the city, retreated, so just inviting Russians inside the country to beat them better later, there were civilians inside the city who were trying and who were successful to find weapons. And they, and they were successful to defend the city, uh, not letting Russians inside the city. They were organizing checkpoints. They were trying to destroy uh, a couple of tanks, a couple of vehicles of Russian troops. So this was about uh, people's resurrection. I mean, people's uh, resistance. Uh, they were not informed about armed forces plans, right? So when it happens, nobody tells you that, look, we are going back to Romney, and uh, we'll, but we'll be back, we'll fight them there. So nobody tells you if you are a civilian inside Sumy. But what people did... They found weapons, as it happened in, 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 in Kiev. There were people, officers, who distributed weapons, and they were trying at least not to let Russians inside the city. 
Yeah, the, the Sumer region also shows us what happens when basically the authorities leave. And, uh, you know, we all know that Russians were thinking that everybody will flee. And uh, we still, I think we still don't know the, 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 the full truth why, for example, uh, Sume was uh, like authorities left Sume, the mayor, the the governor, the, the the police. So the police was closed. So the, there is nobody, you know, to 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 help you uh, in 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 cases of crime or whatever else, right? And uh, most probably it was it was a, an order from above. But as as I said, people perceived it as a, as a betrayal. And uh, I, th- I think there is, I mean, there is something that will be discussed after the war. So what happened? And, and there is something that these reproaches will be, will be there. So maybe Russians were not totally wrong when, when they were thinking that, look, uh, Ukrainians will, will flee away. Maybe some Ukrainians would have fled away, you know. We don't know that. Uh, we still don't know that. Uh, but the spirit of resistance, which is in the among among civilians, maybe a lot of policemen just uh, took off the form, the uniform, they they took the civilian clothes and they joined the territorial defense. This is also this was also what was happening. But uh, these civilians, who many of them who had the experience of the war in Donbass, etc., they of course they played a huge role. The former former militaries, the former policemen, we have talked to these people, and uh, this is something absolutely incredible. So these people didn't think too long. They didn't think for you know weeks, two weeks, whether I should join or or should not join. They joined the territorial defense at the same day. They found the arms. We were told that uh, some of the retired colonel in the in the artillery um, artillery institute, there is a, a big artillery, famous artillery institute in Sume, that he knew where the Kalashnikovs were, or some mortar guns or whatever. That he, on his own responsibility, opened this this place. So we should understand that there was a, a big a big time of chaos. Ukraine was not really prepared for for for, for this big invasion. Maybe in terms of you know, politics, in terms of so the the army could have its plan, but. Um, but it was not uh, m- many things that happen on the first days really uh, really are related to this civilian resistance and in, another important detail about Trostyanets Trostyanets which was occupied but there were a lot of people staying inside the city uh, among them as we were told there were also some police policemen, former policemen in civilian uh, clothes for sure and what they were doing during these long weeks of occupation they were they were providing coordinates of military targets inside the city to the Ukrainian military so the the, the reason why uh, some strikes, Ukrainian strikes against Ostanets were extremely successful, it was a high level precision so people who stayed inside the city not all of them were just simple civilians, is uh, one important details about this resistance so you can uh, you can uh, just uh, withdraw from the city, but it doesn't mean that you stop your resistance. There will be a different way to fight, and 
for sure this is a tragedy for people being captured in such a situation for civilians I, I don't know for women for children uh, I don't know for, for for babies but at the same time there were all these work being done during these long weeks of occupation and it uh, definitely helped Ukrainian military to destroy uh, uh, troops. Let us also say that uh, in this region, uh, at least in Trostyanets, we were told of the presence of Kantemirovska division. Kantemirovska division is the elite, uh, elite uh, division, uh, historically very well known. It was one of the best division in, in in the Russian army. So they were sending really the the best of the best to this region in, in order to progress further to, to Kiev and Sumy. And uh, an important part of it was destroyed in, in Trostyanets by people from Akhtirka. But these people, this military from Akhtirka were helped by, by civilians and, and other people in Trostyanets who provided very specific and accurate coordinates of military units, tanks, uh, whatever, inside Trostyanets. So... When we're asking a question why there was this big resistance, maybe the answer is historical. And uh, maybe this is the reason why Russians want to capture Donetsk Oblast much more than Sumy Oblast, because uh, we were told lots of stories about the, the history of the region. It was a really Cossack region, right? Sumy was founded by the Cossacks, by the Ukrainian Cossacks in mid-17th century. There are lots of even... In Okhtirka, a detail which uh, which uh, which surprised us in, in in a way that informally they still think in terms of um, what we we called at the time at the Cossack times Sotni and Polki. Uh, Sotni means hundreds, uh, hundreds centenary and um, centurion and Polki, bigger units. So the thing is that in, in, in the Cossack times, in the 17th century, this was also the names of administrative units. So the not not only the names of the military units, but also administrative pieces of land, let's say. And people still think in these terms. And uh, this Cossack spirit is, is very present, this self-organization, self-defense, freedom-loving, warrior Cossack spirit. And let's end by saying that uh, uh, the situation of the 24th of February can repeat, and people know that, and there is a certain, I would say, worry, certain concern, certain anxiety that the situation will repeat. Uh, Military people are telling us that uh, it it is all way, way different, that the army is much better prepared, and we have seen actually the trenches, uh, lots of, of course, checkpoints. We assume that there are minefields which are, you know, will will interrupt Russians, but but the situation can repeat. Putin is preparing for a new big offensive. Maybe he will do it on the anniversary of the first offensive on the 24th of February. There is certain anxiety. People are thinking what they will do, whether they will escape, whether they will evacuate, but... Among the military, there is confidence. What we have seen uh, is, is confidence that uh, the response of the Ukrainian army will be different than uh, one year ago. So this is a podcast explaining Ukraine. Uh, we try to tell you a bit more about the region that uh, not so often we are talking about, the northeastern Ukraine we are talking about. Uh, 
everybody's talking primarily about east and south, but it is important also to look at at the north and northeast. Uh, this uh, this region is very important because it's it's a direct way to Kyiv, one of the direct ways to Kyiv. Podcast explaining Ukraine by Ukraine World. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm chief editor of Ukraine World. My co-host is Titano Harkova, head of international department at Ukraine Crisis Media Center. You can support us on patreon.com slash Ukraine World. You can also support our volunteer trips to the front line at paypal, ukraine.resisting.gmail.com. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine. Thank you.